right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Now live. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Para-X Radio Network. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. This is your host, Jason Michael Caldwell. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, man, it has been a long couple weeks. I hope everybody enjoyed their holiday last week. And I hope some of you got to go on the website, ddtrh.com, and check out last week's podcast, because I know no one was in the chat room and on the live network last week, because it was the 4th of July. But if you missed last week's episode, go to ddtrh.com, our personal website, and check out Andrea's podcast on personal freedom. Special made for Independence Day because he was off of school and out of class. So tonight, I want to remind everyone that there's a new challenge coming up on domagicwithak.com. So go check out domagicwithak.com. And check out the new challenges that Zach and Andrea are putting together for you. Remember, participation is always free. This week I have a special guest. Someone who Andrea introduced me to his work a couple weeks back. And I was I was laughing. I was loving it. And I was seeing that the guy actually had real skill and real knowledge. Someone who I want to introduce all of you to. He is a professional witch. He is an entertainer and a teacher. His name is Billy Brujo. Billy, are you with me? Can you hear me tonight? I am with you, and I can hear you. I'm here. I'm a show, as you know, um, but maybe some other people don't know. Um, I am Billy Brujo. I have a show on YouTube. It's Billy Brujo's Black Magic Cooking Show. Um, I started about two and a half years ago, and... um, it's just the culmination, you know, in in thelemic practices and so on. They talk always about doing what thou wilt. And it's sort of finally, you know, the culmination of my life. I'm really doing what I was intended to do, quote unquote, you know, if you were to believe in such a thing as fate. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> So, well, if there is such a thing as fate or, I don't know, predestination, we can get in a whole debate about that, too. But um, tell us about your beginnings. I, 
you know, I, I, I keep wanting to say talented young man, and I really don't know your age, and I'm not going to ask you to disclose that on the air, but uh, I keep picturing you as being uh, no, younger I, than myself. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm young. I mean, I'm not young, but I'm not old. I'm old right. enough to start old enough, old. feeling that I'm not young anymore. <laughs> uh, Fair. You know, the the healing doesn't quite happen the same speed. Um, right, right. This one time recently, uh, not even, actually this was a while ago, like I fell off my skateboard going to the local liquor store and my foot <laughs> swelled up so big I couldn't put my shoe on and that had never happened for the previous 30 years, you know, right. so I'm, I'm over that number, uh, obviously as I've revealed. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm 35 ish. And, okay. uh, uh, of course, like despite my character, I'm a regular guy. Uh, my character is a bit strange. What with my appearance, but that's a part of, well, the, the face has a lot of reasons, but mostly it's, uh, I think it's easier to hear about magical stuff when a fictional character is telling you about it. Sure. When, when a normal looking guy talks about aliens and invisible men in the sky, you call him crazy. But if you put a funny Pope hat on and you talk about invisible men in the sky suddenly people think this guy knows what he's talking about i don't mm -hmm. know why that is so i decided you know having an outrageous appearance would be to my benefit it was also kind of a mistake uh it, my first episode was halloween so it made sense and my second episode was day of the dead so it made sense and on my third episode i realized I'd already branded myself as this character, and I was kind of stuck. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so uh, I just keep doing it because people like consistency. So That's true. Um, you know, so I've cheated a little bit because, you know, like I said, honestly, I just found out about you a couple weeks ago. So I've been watching some of your videos. I went and I read your website. Now... Oh, my website you. is terrible. Don't any, no one, please go to my website. That's just, <laughs> I bought it. I bought the website just to get my hands on the web property. And I, I just threw that up there as a temporary. Those were the prices for my services that I used to do back in the day when I worked at this one shop. Um, you know, and, and, those prices are ridiculously out of proportion. That's a little bit why I don't work there anymore. Uh, because I had a moral oh. dilemma with, um, it felt like I was charging people too much money for their money spell. And those people were too poor to afford it. And so I didn't, you know, I got away from there. I'm not going to say who they are because I don't want to diminish their reputation. But, um, you know, they're, they're allowed to do their business however they see fit, and I wish no ill on them. I just, me and my boss didn't really, we believed in each other, but we didn't get along. Gotcha. 
So, so no, we won't we won't pick on them on the air. That wouldn't be fair. But <clears throat> yeah, let's no, just so say any of so us have been practicing have, for multiple decades. We know that kind of thing goes on. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so as to like my beginnings, as as with most people, I just I got interested in it somehow, and you know who even knows why that over any other thing um you know dissatisfaction in one's life often gives you a reason to go looking for magic but i kind of always i grew up around scientists and i i felt like something was there that was being denied um and so that's another reason why i i I was talking to you before about how I I, some, I I like to play devil's advocate, and if I'm talking to skeptics, I promote magic. If I'm talking to magic people, I promote skepticism. So, arguing with all these skeptics, I was trying. I was looking for magic, and I, I found it. Um, so, but it's not quite as crazy, maybe, as the magic people make it out to be. But uh, just being a, a antisocial, you know, social anxiety person, I, I spent my time studying it and uh, just being a smart-alecky guy, I wrote a million jokes about all of the symbolism and stuff. And at some point when I finally was even well beyond you know, I'd already worked professionally in a couple of places, doing witchcraft, doing readings, and I I was kind of retired. Um, so I was well beyond even the, the point in my life where I was even calling myself a master anymore. And then that was when uh, I had a bad breakup, and I had to... Uh, figure out something to do with my time to not think about how sad I was and so getting a show making a show gives you something to do every week uh, it keeps you busy keeps you thinking about from how sad you are and I just finally figured I'd always imagined I would make this show because a lot of what was on YouTube that was magic related was not digestible because it was these long lectures that I couldn't sit through, they were boring. I can read a long book, but I can't listen to a long lecture. I'm going to go to sleep. And yeah. a lot of these things are pretty simple. So I was like, where is the, is the YouTube-style how-to show where they tell me in five minutes how to do something because it only takes five minutes to explain. And I was like, so I was filling the void, you know. I saw a niche and I created the show that fills that niche. And I've got a, I've got like 2,000 subscribers. It's not so bad. And it's going to keep on growing, man. So, I think tell so. me, you're, uh, you're self-taught? Did you just go out as, say, you know, teenager, early 20s, just start buying books? Who, who were you into? Uh, pretty much. I... I I had a lot of theories for a while, like as a kid, I read a lot of mythology, you know, and it's funny, I never actually played Dungeons and Dragons, but I did read all the rule books, because I love 
fantasy monsters and all kind of nerd stuff. Um, but Dungeons and Dragons actually kind of, I think I did try to play it one time and I just couldn't handle, it's a little bit boring, uh, when it gets down to the dice rolling, actually, dice rolling really slows it down. Um, so I, I knew a lot about monsters and, and extra dimensional spirits and, and such, you know, but when I finally started getting into the spell craft thing or the, the holy thing, it was also kind of the next perversion, uh, I was saying at the time because I was always uh, back when I was younger in high school and in in college I was taking the video production and I was very edgy I was always trying to shock people and and do the next thing that would shock them and at some point that became black magic and the thing about black magic is then when reading the source material Apparently, to perform it, first you have to kind of become a holy man. So then so then being a holy man was the next perversion. So uh-huh. it was weird. Like, the perversion had come full circle around to being a holy man. Um, so you were, you were reading some of the traditional grimoires at this point then? Yeah. Um, I also, at some point around this time, I started to not lie because also with the shocking people, the lies are often much more offensive than the truth. And, uh, and uh, no one can say anything. When you, when you tell something horrible that is not a lie, no one can defeat you. You, know, you have great power with the truth behind you. Mm-hmm. So um, it, I, was, I was quite a monster. And I still am. I've just mellowed out a lot. I don't really want to fight anyone because I don't. It's a hassle. Um, then you have to fight, and it, it it requires work. And I don't want to do that. Well, it's such a waste of energy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd rather build something because that's fun, and I like pretty things. And you know, I like making pretty things as well. Well, I would definitely call call you a creative soul. Um, just looking at some of your uh, your videos, I'm seeing a lot of your personal artwork. I'm seeing a lot of things that you've you've created with your hands. Um, very, very nice stuff. Oh, the pile right now! I'm trying to get rid of all of this old art I've made uh, because the paper has has gotten moldy. And, you know, nowadays everything can be digital and not take up any physical space. So I'm trying to scan all of this and get rid of the paper so they can get the mold out of the building. And uh, the pile is massive. It's going to take me a month of doing at least an hour of day of, of scanning old art. <laughs> so <laughs> yep. not even just the stuff. A lot of the stuff that I've, I've posted online and posted to the Internet I've made since beginning my show, and that's been a ton of artwork, too. So I'm kind of getting choked up in here. If anyone wants to buy a lot of art, I've got it for sale. So where do they want to go to contact you to buy some of your personal artwork? Uh, Contact me directly. I'm not so hard to contact. My uh, Since my following is 
still only around 2,000 people, and those 2,000 people are not all active at the same time. You know, my following is still small enough that I can manage it, so mm -hmm. if uh, I would say just contact me directly, billybrujo at gmail.com, um, or any of my social media outlets. I'm Billy Brujo everywhere that there is. If you type Billy Brujo into Google, you'll not be disappointed. Uh, I create a lot of material. And, uh, yeah, you can also see samples, uh, of course, because the Internet is so amazing. And I just, I saw how it was going to, you know, invade all of our privacy, so I kind of just opted in. I kind of feel like I opted in to Big Brother because it's coming anyway, and I might as well just get comfortable now <laughs> with having no secrets. Might as, well, might as well use it to your advantage. Right. So, <clears throat> pardon so really, the whole okay. So the whole Billy Brujo thing, as we were discussing before the show and early on, um, it, it 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 was a character. It was a joke at first. It was Halloween, but then it stuck because it was Halloween and it was Day of the Dead. So you you, you knew that people liked consistency, so you stuck with the character. Um, you have a Thelemic background. I've noticed that you you have some Chaos Magic background. Um, yeah, I would call myself. I would call myself a, a post-Thelemic chaos mage because I, I okay. see chaos magic as the the next step from Thelema because Thelema is about do what thou wilt, but then they kind of have all these rules about doing what thou wilt. And, of course, in chaos, we're a little more zany. We actually do what we will, uh, which is just whatever nonsense that we came up with that day. Uh, and it feels a lot more free there. And so it doesn't, you know, Egyptian stuff is cool and I love the aesthetic, but I don't know. It's maybe a little too formal for me. Certainly. Um, <clears throat> so you were telling me, uh, just before the show that you actually, you know, you went out and you tried to debunk some paranormal phenomena. You had some friends that were paranormal investigators, I take it? No, no. Actually, this was while I was working at this one place, we were trying to do these, like, ghost tours. And so mm. we had a lot of people pay a lot of money and we went out to this abandoned hospital uh, that is very famously haunted. A lot of movies were shot there. And we did this sort of... Say, uh, now, I worked at the shop, and I was the witch. But we had two stores, and we were... Um, it's like the group that came with me, I was their custodian because I was the sort of the operating manager at the store at, at that time and 
they got on the tour bus with me and there was two buses that went out to the place. So I felt protective of them. So I didn't want to... With my skepticism, I was kind of casting a protection spell on them that they wouldn't get too freaked out and do anything crazy. Mm-hmm. And also, the boss also was ashamed of the behavior of the other witch that worked there and uh, her husband and how they behaved. Because in the beginning, we did this seance thing to sort of call the ghosts, activate them, stir them up, and then we led everybody on a tour around the hospital. Uh, and and they kept doing that thing like I've seen on the ghost TV shows where they say, did you hear that? And making a big deal over every little thing. When the building is rotting and makes noises, and those orbs are, are dust blowing in yes. the air, because when your oh, flash so goes off, you brought that up. they hit that fuzzy dust and they make that soft. I can see them. I have orbs on the inside of my glasses right now. Because I'm facing a light source. And my glasses are dusty. And the same thing is true for the camera. Uh, I know this because I've created this effect. I know this because I'm looking through this effect right now. <laughs> so, there's, there's actually two things, Billy. There's the effect of the dust. And there's also when people take <coughs> the digital cameras. And they have them set to low resolution. And they start dropping pixels. Oh, well... <laughs> Of course, yeah, mechanical glitches. Yeah. Um, but anyway, when... The the thing that is ironic is, of course, yes, I was trying to debunk this thing, and, and all of the, the, the... I smell sulfur! And then the one witch ran down this hall in, in the basement boiler room and, and gyrated and, and acted all sketchy. And uh-huh. She's supposed to be the one of the ones in charge. She's supposed to be one of the ones. My boss said to me at one time, when we picked up the phone, we weren't allowed to say, um, because that means we're scatterbrained and we're supposed to be magicians here. And that means we're huh. on top of everything. Right. And right. so these people are coming to us for help. We want to sound like we're, gods you know not gods but you know we want to sound like right. we're that magical we want to sound like we know everything that we you know that we're that good so we weren't allowed to say um so when the witch who was supposed to be one of the people of power here not the civilians that we were taking on this tour mm-hmm. she goes off acting all possessed and the boss chewed her out so bad for that. Anyway, I was kind of, yeah, casting the spell on, and I didn't notice or feel anything while any of well, the two ringleaders were were pretending that this stuff was happening. Uh, but when we were walking out of this one hall, uh, I saw a reflection in in one of those doors that's like the full plate glass with the chicken wire through it. Oh yeah, and yeah, 
and I, and I was walking past that in the hall of this haunted hospital, and I saw a reflection. I saw my reflection because it's it's kind of funny. At the time I was working there, I wore this lab coat because also with being magicians and everything, like I had to dress like I worked in a bank, and so. But then I had to get in the back and deal with my oils and my powders and things. So I wore this lab coat, and it was sort of my uniform, and and people knew me for wearing it. So I was wearing my lab coat, and I walked past this door window thing, and I see this reflection of this guy in a lab coat. And I walk past, and it does that thing where I catch it out of my eye, and I turn, and I look. Yeah. uh, Because I did think it was kind of ghosty. But I turned, and I looked, and it was a guy in a lab coat. So I went like, oh, it's me. So I turn, and I keep going, almost not missing a step. Right. And I take two steps, and it hits me in that way that sometimes you look like a double take it hits me that the guy in the reflection is wearing a red flannel shirt under his lab coat and I was not wearing a red flannel shirt ah. so that was but then I kept walking and I kept being grumble grumble to my group you know so that I could keep them in line keep them from getting too scared a lot of them still What's also funny is is I was just doing a tarot reading recently where I mostly asked the questions and didn't really tell the answers. And at the end of the reading, the the client was telling me how intuitive I am. And I was like, you did all the talking. So the same thing here. I was telling them how it's not happening, but they still all had a good ghost experience. Um and said that they did have an experience. So I didn't ruin their good time. I kept them safe. I made sure that this old lady got, because we got out of there at like 4 a.m. I made sure this old lady got back to her car safe in a bad neighborhood at 4 a.m. And then I drove home, and I wandered into the the middle. This was the Los, Los Angeles metropolitan area, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, the hospital was in Loma Linda. Uh, oh. they, they, they tore it down and they built a retirement home or something there. And so what we were supposed to do, we were the last people being allowed into the building before they shut okay. it down. And we were supposed to be doing a, a sort of a healing ceremony to help all the spirits cross over. Because when your retirement home gets built on top of this ground, you don't want grandma living with a vengeful ghost in her room of an insane doctor who torments a schizophrenic girl every night. Right. In your refrigerator. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and we kind of, I, I believe that we kind of avoided doing the actual closure of the portal thing uh, because when the boss saw how shameful the other two were acting, in her opinion, uh, she kind of, I think we ended it abruptly, even though it still took us. We were there 
it was okay forget dungeons and dragons it, this was like real life dungeons and dragons we were crawling around in this dungeon for four hours in the in the morning until like 4 a.m yeah and and then i drove home after getting the old lady to her car and i accidentally wandered into a a, a massive immigration bus where cops pointed shotguns at me because I I was trying to drive through the middle of the street I usually drive through to take home. Oh jeez. Yeah, they they weren't so happy that I was there and it was weird too because I had a car full of of stuff from the store so it was it's full of black figure candles and and all kind of <laughs> clearly uh, it, it's like I took the death, only all the death stuff that time too. It was it was oh, a little geez. bit suspect. So it's so, like four thirty in the morning. You're being stopped by the cops, and you have nothing but black your candles in your car. And I, and I, yeah, my trunk is full of skulls. You know, and uh, yeah, I, oh great. So no, no, no. But I, you know, took a side street, made it home. And the next day at work, when I said about that this happened, they said, oh, only you, and no surprise that you would be telling this crazy story. And I'm like, what does that mean? I'm, what? <laughs> <laughs> so so what, what, do you, what do you think became of that location, Billy? Did they, uh, did they spiritually clean it up before they put the retirement home there, or? I don't know. I don't. I don't think we did the closure. I think when the I think when the building goes okay, if all of the if all of the pain and torment and suffering happened in the building then all of the shed bodily fluids associated with those traumas would have been in the wood, in the paint, in the um, concrete, in the whatever, and not actually in the ground ground, and maybe some, maybe a little bit, but then when you cart all that dirt away and pour the new foundation for this new building and, and nothing, because that building had to be torn down. Right. So I think that takes away all of the goo because all of the physical goo got taken away uh it's not like anyone was maybe buried and even then you know i bet they dug a deep hole and poured a big concrete thing so it probably scooped away anything that was under the ground too i wonder though because i'll tell you here in columbus ohio we had the world record set in insane asylum here in columbus and it was part of the big shutdown in the 80s when Reagan shut down all the big facilities. Now there's a big Ohio Department of Transportation building sitting there. Now every now and then, I will meet someone that works in that Ohio Department of Transportation building. And I'll ask them. I'll be like, look, you know, I know the big insane asylum was there when I was a kid. Anything weird go on in that building? I cannot get a straight answer out of anyone. They will not confirm or deny. They don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> well... Maybe I'm wrong. I think there was also, I seem to remember at the time, there was some other stuff being posted on the internet that was just, I think there was an outcry from 
which is that were local in general and psychics and stuff about shutting down that portal because it was clearly a portal yeah. so mm -hmm. if we didn't do it it is possible somebody else did it and yeah I think it's probably okay it would be good to remove that spot you wouldn't want to have a doctor killing the same schizophrenic girl every night in your refrigerator <laughs> your that little mini fridge in the retirement home yeah, that that makes going for another Bud Light a real bummer, doesn't it? Well, that's why maybe that's why you're drinking so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> so you you've had what you would consider, you know, unsolicited. I wasn't even trying to see it, and there was that paranormal experience. So there's that. Yeah. And I wouldn't have taken it so seriously either, probably, uh, except that I did see a ghost once before in my life that was your regular kind of, uh, how do you want to say, like ghost-type ghost, where it has that translucent appearance and it's floaty, but it wasn't a whole body, it was just a hand that floated at kind of hand level. And oh, it walked. Let's, let, let's hear about this. The, people, the folks on Parax love this kind of thing, man. So okay, actually, it was floating at about head level uh, for a you know, so like maybe at around five feet, six feet, and and it looked like a human hand, but it was made of that gaseous cloud-like, you know, like a ghost. Like it looked like a movie ghost. Yeah. Yeah, look um, look like a freaking oh whoa, that's not that's not physical. I get it. Yeah, it it looked like a it looked like a a ghost. And but it was just <laughs> a hand. And and I was I was a kid, you know, so of course, you know, who knows? Uh how whatever. Do kids hallucinate? I don't know. Um but I saw his hand it like I hate to say monsters in my closet, but it came out of my closet and it went out of my the door to my bedroom. And then yeah. I, I I saw it and I you know I walked out. I tried to follow it, and of course when I turned the corner because it went around the corner and I tried to follow it around the corner. It did that leprechaun thing where you take your eyes off it and it's gone. So. It was Christmas morning, and I walked into my parents' bedroom, and they were kind of just groggily waking up. And I said, I think I just saw Santa Claus. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was my first ghost. And then this, I don't know, I've probably seen some other ones, but this one in the mirror where it, it was wearing a different shirt than me, for some reason, this got me, and I was like, well, there probably is ghosts all in this building, despite the fact that I'm arguing against these other people acting too far off the deep end. Right. I always like to, to talk to people about medicine, and, and uh, one time this girl came into the shop, and she said, what herbs can I burn to magic spell my asthma? And I said, none. 
I'm not going to prescribe you smoke to fix your breathing. Uh, You're going to huff on this camphor. You're going to put this piece of camphor in a jar and let the gas build up inside, and you're going to smell that jar, and you're going to take this eucalyptus and anise seed oil, and you're going to put that on a a little rag and sniff it, and it's going to make your nose run, and it's going to have that minty feeling of your nose being clear, and that's going to kind of help you breathe easier, just be, just even because it's psych, it feels like you can breathe easier. You might not even be able to breathe easier, but it feels, because you have that minty, refreshing thing in your nose, mm-hmm. and it feels like the wind is so cool, and it feels like you're breathing better. So you calm down, which is the whole asthma thing. And you get too tense and you can't breathe. You need to calm down and just breathe. And so that relaxing, yeah. I think it was good. I was trying to be a good doctor. I believe that there is maybe, so if there's an herb that can make you breathe, and if there's an herb that can make you hallucinate and talk to God, and if there's an herb that can make you chill out, and if there's an herb that can make you breakfast, and if there's an herb that can make you uh, heal your muscle aches, and by turning it into a poultice and rubbing it on the muscle area, then I also believe that maybe there's an herb that makes you suddenly get money spontaneously out of nowhere. This is where we start to move into magic. I I think we maybe haven't explored... You're starting off in herbology, and you're looking for legitimate medicines. Now you're starting to get more into the paranormal side of it. Sure. Well, because the medicine seems to work, Mm -hmm. and so there's something there. I'm a big fan of looking at old superstitions, too, and figuring out what they mean, like, like as if I'm decoding it from the slang of the day. Like, there's a, a thing about... Uh, not putting your boots on the kitchen table uh, because it's bad luck. And, you know, back in those days, you used to walk around in horse manure all day and not to mention your neighbor's manure and, uh, you know, your neighbor's human manure and uh, the whole town's human manure and who knows what else. So, you know, you put your boots up on the table that you eat off of, and then the whole family gets dysentery and dies, that's kind of bad luck. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you you walk under a ladder, and you knock the guy off the ladder, and killing maybe both of you, and that's kind of bad luck. And it, it seems to me like some of these superstitions are superstitions for a reason. Oh, They're yeah. not just silliness. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for... And then, of course, when you look into the Eastern thing, they say that you can do all kinds of stuff, and especially, like, with herbs. So, I just... I think there's... I think it demands more study in a... Without the usual scientific bias of this stuff doesn't exist, which is kind of an unscientific attitude. Right. 
you get in the whole Occam's razor effect. Right. I, I do believe that it is hard to prove in a laboratory setting, but a lot of things, a lot of things that they want to prove that they're saying are real are also difficult to prove in a lab setting. So we're even. This is true. And in a way, you know, the, the paranormal, we, we get prejudice against us, man, because when there is a closed study in a lab of, of psychic phenomena, remote viewing, the government did a lot of work with remote viewing back in the day, and they were getting results, and they documented those results, well, people tend to just brush those studies away and go, ah, it's nothing. Yeah, you know, I don't know. You can lead a horse to water and everything. Oh, I just yeah. think even in a even in a okay, I'm not going to say that I believe in ancient aliens. I may or may not. I I I flip flop. <laughs> I don't believe in anything. That's the thing. I was I was not even raised atheist. I was no. I was raised to believe in nothing at all. Not okay. saying I'm a nihilist either. It's just I wasn't raised to believe in anything. So I have absolute freedom uh, in that regard, which is something a lot of people don't have because they, they were raised with biases of some kind being right. forced upon them, whether it was religious or political or... Uh, any kind of ideology at all. My parents didn't believe in anything. So I didn't even, I wasn't even trained to not believe in anything. Because there was just nothing. We just didn't even talk about things like that. <laughs> we make art and we live our daily lives and we talk about that. Right. So we didn't really have opinions. You know, the, the government is out to get you because simply because they have power and you don't and so like don't trust them kind of don't trust anybody kind of only you know try to verify everything yourself so well, here's the thing here's the thing billy you know i i tend to think that i'm really logically minded myself i mean i'll admit it i was a real ass to people who were magically minded when i was younger it took a lot of convincing i had to be put in really weird situations I started off experiencing ghosts without trying to, so I decided, okay, fine, that's real. I'm going to become an investigator. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to look for this stuff and try to either prove it or debunk it situationally. I was out doing that. I met a witch. The witch had all kinds of grandiose claims. She said she could give me a reading. I laughed at her. She gave me a reading. She scared the crap out of me. She knew all kinds of things about me she shouldn't have known. So I started studying psychic phenomena. I wanted to know more about it. I wanted to learn how to do it myself, so I sought training. You know? And, and that's been my slippery slope. And now I'm a, a magician, you know? So what, what was yeah. that moment for you when you went out there and you experimented and you had that, oh my God, this really worked moment? When... When the first spell that I did was a failure, but it was a failure in the right way. And oh, yeah? that how that's kind of the first way that I knew it worked. And I and I 
you know, it's it's the classical uh, religious thing too, uh, and and very Christian. Also, the Jewish kind of have the same thing going on. You know, it, it's something about how we're bad and we need God to forgive us. Right. And and so the first spell I did, I I wanted health and wealth. And I did, based on all of my research that I had done up until that time, the best thing to do both of those things at the same time I thought was going to be the sun. And so I, I did this ritual, and I set up this circle, and I had all my accoutrements, and I, I, I had made my... Uh, my robes as best I could and, and some kind of headdress thing. And I did this ritual and I tried to do the, the solar hexagram, which is very, you have to draw the six hexagrams in order. And it kind of gets confusing when you go from Mars to Venus because they're the same, but backwards. Yes. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe I did that wrong. But I feel like I finished... Okay, because when I was done... I was just at a Gordon White lecture, too, and, and he said this. When you do your first ritual, you feel absolutely stupid. And it's true. I was <laughs> true. sitting there. It's true. I didn't know that any... You know, I couldn't tell if anything was happening. It just felt ridiculous. And, you know, but I did this thing, and the next... Not the next day, but, you know, within a short period of time. I had all of my money stolen out of my bank twice. The, oh. the bank had to forgive me twice. But I'm not sure. It really wasn't that much money because I was a college kid. It was only like $500. But they had to give it back to me twice and believe mm -hmm. that it wasn't me running this scam. Um, but all my money got stolen twice, and I got a case of athlete's foot that would not, nothing would stop it. Medicine, uh, 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 any home remedy, anything that I tried, nothing would make this athlete's foot go away. And, and so just every night I had to, to put my feet in the sink and pour scalding water over them to get the nerves to shut up for a second so that I could go mm -hmm. to bed. Yeah. Because just, it, it's just so bad. And so, you know, I did this spell and I got the exact opposite of what I wanted. And this, you know, this rang to me because I'd already been researching a lot of stuff and I'd already run across this thing that said three things will happen when you do a magic spell. One of three things. One, you get what you want. Two, nothing happens. Three, you get the opposite of what you asked for. And so I was like, oh, you know, I was trying to do this thing with spirits. Maybe I offended this spirit entity. So I felt, you know, I knew that it worked. But this wasn't really when I got the, the real click of that it worked. The real knock on my head would come almost a year later because uh, assuming that the, I had offended the deity, I started doing uh, Liber Reshvel Helios and the four solar adorations every day, four times a day in the quarters and 
trying to do as much of other akadua and reciting the bornless ritual and stuff as much as I could. Yep. In order to like uh, honor the god that I had offended and like pay him back with energy, which I assume is what he likes to eat. Mm-hmm. And then, sort of, while I was doing the midnight one. And uh, the person I was dating at the time was an insomniac, but for some reason they were all tired this night, and they were like, I'm going to go to sleep. Uh, and I was like, I have to stay up just a minute longer. I have to do my midnight. I have to do my midnight barn raising. And <laughs> and so then I, nice. did, I did my midnight barn raising, and then I kind of sat down on the couch for a second, and... I started having this vision, but it wasn't, okay, when I say vision, it was visual imagery, but it wasn't like seeing. It wasn't the same thing as seeing, like with your eyes. You know, I want to make that clear to skeptics out there and stuff. It's not the same thing as seeing, seeing. When I think that when psychics say to me that they see it as plain as day and it's like seeing I don't believe them but maybe their brain is wired differently I don't it's let not tr- the same thing as seeing let me try to help you with this it's it's like it's like vivid daydreaming without having to zone out as much as you normally would during a regular daydream yeah maybe it's it's to me I like to say like it's like data okay it's just it's it's like knowing and and it may contain visual imagery mm-hmm. but it's not it comes too fast or something usually okay. when I have like when I have those like intuitive moments actually this was I kind know. of playing out I in know. this was kind of playing out in real time uh, and so it was like to the east of me there was this little uh, box that was about the size of like a big tube television you know so it was like a cube but it wasn't it wasn't too big and i was inside of there out of my body which was just to the east of me a little bit and and i but inside of the space you know there was of course all this space there was this whole like garden valley grassy with nice a nice blue sky you know bucolic situation and there was a temple in there and i walked in and i had this whole like interaction with ra and of course it was terrifying uh because i'm not supposed to believe in deities and here's one talking to me and you know he he kind of said be not afraid you know but not really said it and Right, but then I still sort of walked up to it, being very afraid, but gritting my teeth and trying to act outwardly, physically in my astral body, <laughs> um, as if I was pulling it off. And I went, and he embraced me, and he sat me down on the throne, you know, and he like walked around me in a circle, and he did this like kind of thing, and so like, but it was very. Uh, weird and it was full of symbolism and then later going back to my normal studies you know I would read all these uh, books about initiation experiences and uh, 
it contained little bits of a lot of different rituals um, that I hadn't yet read, but they pretty much they went the same way down in the ritual that I was reading as they went down in my vision. And uh, so it was kind of like a combination initiatory thing plus the the part of the Abramelin ritual after you get the Holy Guardian Angel where you have to tie down the... There was part of this ritual where then these spirits had to come up before the throne and, like, bow to me. Um, and uh, I'm not even saying that I've... I've done the Abramelin ritual or anything, but, like, it had elements from the Abramelin ritual. It had elements from these other initiatory kind of rituals. And when... Yeah, that was kind of the thing that made me go, like, it's real. But, of course, with time, that happened so long ago now that it kind of faded. You know, you'd think you'd be all crazy about how you'd talk to a god, and I'm sure I was for a week or two there. But, you know... You also can't go around saying you're a prophet or people think you're crazy. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, no, I totally get it. And I hate to say it, man, only, only the real practitioners know that I don't care how exciting and how crazy the experience is at the time. That's why we call what we do a practice. You've got to keep it up and you've got to keep doing things man if you if you stop and it's so easy to slip back into mundane existence and i think uh, a part of the reason why uh we call it a cult you know because the occult means hidden mm -hmm. is that and we we do this yes, a lot in the chaos satan <laughs> well it's 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 it, it, we do this a lot in the chaos groups you know we'll discuss techniques with each other but when you start actually discussing what you're working on, uh, you know, there's that whole thing like where you can't tell anyone your birthday cake wish or it won't come true. And so I don't know if it's so great to like tell people what you're working on, um, especially if you're presenting as big a target as me or some other occult personalities do. Uh, because right. if you say you need something then everybody's going to think you're having trouble with that thing, and that might create, you know, the mass hysteria might create you having more problems with it. Um, but on the other hand, also the, the loving support of those people might help cure it. So use discretion when complaining about your magical dilemma. But, you know, the vision quest stuff is all very personal, number one. Uh, number two, it makes you sound like a crazy person. And uh, number three, it's really exciting for you, and it explains all these mysteries, but to other people, it might just be gobbledygook. Uh, they're going to have their own cool experiences, and that's a sort of my message. Like I was saying about how Thelema is this whole thing about do what they will, but then here conform to these standards kind of, um, I just want, you know, I may be a, a, a sort of a spiritual leader, but I don't want to have a cult full of dummies. 
I want to have, I want to be surrounded by people that I look at and I go, wow, because they are the, the most amazing people that I've ever seen. And I've helped a lot of artists recover from not doing their art to start doing their art again. Uh, and it's just the most uh, flattering thing because a lot of them were talented and were holding out on us. And, you right. know, I'm making an entertainment product, but I also am on the Internet posting that entertainment product. And while I'm there, I would like to be entertained. So, guys, you know, could you make something cool? Because I'll make you laugh, and, and one good turn deserves another. Well, <laughs> you, you've been making me think, Billy, because... Uh... So often, I think we take ourselves way too seriously, and you found a great way to bring entertainment into it and make people laugh, but at the same time, talk about serious topics. Now, well, Alistair Crowley said the whole thing about the problem with most religion is that it doesn't have a place for laughter, and oh, yeah. laughter is so powerful. You know, laughter is how you survive the worst situations. So, hey, you told me before yeah. the show that uh, you put out a limited-run book that you only have eight copies left of. Why don't you tell people real, really quick about your book and how they can get a hold of you to buy a copy of your book, if they desire. Okay, once again, um, just get in touch with me directly, billybrujo at gmail.com. Uh, any of my social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, uh, 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 I'm not so good with Twitter, actually, forget Twitter, um, I don't really like paying attention to Twitter, uh, I just don't like its formatting, I've got a, I'm a, I'm a graphic designer, you know, from birth, and I just don't like Twitter's formatting, it, it, it bugs me, uh, Reddit, everything else is fine, Twitter, no, I just don't like it, I don't know why. Um, so, uh, what my book is about, uh, it's funny that you mentioned Andrea because, uh, my book is slightly inspired by his book, Hands-On Chaos Magic. I tried nice. to write the book, I tried to write the book of magic techniques that I would send to myself in the past that would save me all this time that I wasted learning about stuff, you know, that I decided later was not, you know, necessary for my well, practice. Hey, Billy, mm -hmm. I am really sorry, but we're going to, we're going to have to cut it off there because I need to hand the show over to the next host. All right. But definitely now, now that everyone knows that's out there, get a hold of Billy, get more info. Check out his material. I'm really enjoying it, and I think you will too. Billy, if you stay on the line, much. I'll be back with you in a moment. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Keep your spirits up. <laughs>